0: Thanks for coming to hang out with us today. Ruck Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. We chat about real things that military families deal with and help you to love the call to action. So you know the drill. Ruck Up Buttercup. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here with the co-host, Ashley. Um, I want to start by saying that this is going to be our only recording for July. So if you guys are not already following us on Instagram, please do because Ashley, Kim, and I are actually going to be in one place later this month. So our girl chat is going to be live on Instagram again. So we are really excited about that. So make sure you're following us there so you can join us. But today we do have a couple really great guests and they have some resources for us. So Ashley, would you like to introduce our guests?
1: Yeah. So we have two guests today. Our first guest is one of our newest volunteers at Deployed Love. We have Curtly Adams. She is a military spouse And she also volunteers as the executive assistant for the Exceptional Families of the Military and as a program director for It's a Military Child Life. Today, we're going to be talking about EFMP. So both of our guests today are going to have a little bit of experience with that. Our second guest is Jessica Ogden. She is also a fellow military spouse, and she is also a board-certified behavioral analyst, a licensed and certified psychologist. So welcome, guys.
2: Thank you. I'm really excited to be on here. I've never done this before. So we'll see what happens.
1: It's going to be fun. We've talked about EFMP like once or twice already this year on some of the podcasts. We touch it a little bit here and there, but we really wanted to dive deep in with some other people who had a lot more experiences than we do ourselves. We've talked about how it can be kind of a difficult process to sign up for, what all the things you need. So why don't you guys give us a little bit of your guys's background and your experience with it. Um, Curly, let's start with you.
3: Okay, so my middle child, my seven-year-old son, has a neurological disorder. So for him, it mostly affects his speech and some gross motor functioning. So we noticed when he was a year old that he wasn't talking the way that he should be. And so we started seeing a speech therapist and he wasn't making any progress. And so when he was three, he still was considered nonverbal. And we got enrolled in EFMP and that was right around the time that COVID hit. And so it was a little easier for us to get enrolled because everything was done via email and I didn't have to go anywhere. And our paperwork was just emailed back and forth between us and the doctor's When he turned five, he was diagnosed with um, childhood speech apraxia and ADHD. So we had to re-update our EFMP paperwork because that is a necessary thing that you have to do when you have new diagnosis for different things, or if things change, you have to re-update. And so we are coming up on our... We've done three moves as with an EF as EFMP family, and we are about to re- renew all of our paperwork. Yeah, I think it's important. I think we said this on our last podcast that um,
1: if you have some a child that has services or yourself have services, that it's you should just continuously update it and don't wait till you PCS to have it because then it can just cause delays. I mean, the last episode that we talked about it, other spouses that we know. You know, their orders got canceled because they just couldn't get the EFMP stuff in fast enough, type of thing. So or it just took a really, really long time. So I know that it's important that, you know, if you have that any time a diagnosis changes, send send the paperwork in and have it updated. Or even if a diagnosis is taken off. I mean, my son received speech services for the last three years and and I'm really bad. I'm sitting there, go, go change the EFMP. And I haven't changed it yet. And he no longer needs the services anymore. So he's he's been unenrolled and everything like that. So we still need to go update ours and say he no longer needs the services. I've been really bad about it because we're not going anywhere, but <laughs> you should have that updated. Jessica, you have an older child that receives services. So why don't you talk about your experience? Cause it is going to be a little bit different. I feel like from having it during COVID.
2: Okay. So actually all three of my boys are EFMP. My oldest son, his name is Hunter. He is 11 and he is autistic. When we started the EFMP process with him, this was back in 2012, I believe, 2013. So it was very different than now. A lot of the things are very similar, but not many people understood the process of EFMP, especially for autism. And when you have an autistic child, there's a lot of other disorders that come along with it. We call them comorbid disorders. So Hunter is normally autistic, he has two speech disorders. He has um, an articulation disorder and apraxia. It originally started off as childhood apraxia, which is one of the hardest speech diagnoses to overcome. And because of his age, and we're getting ready to hit puberty and all these things, they think it just may be something that sticks now. He's been doing speech for eight and a half years in school and private. Um, he also has anxiety and he has what then was diagnosed as ADD, which is now diagnosed as ADHD and attentive type. And those are basically our big hitters for him. EFMP did, really didn't register for us. Like We knew we had to do it and we didn't really understand why. And I think that's one of the big things is families are told, hey, here's this worksheet. And if you have any of these things, call this number and register, but no one's told why. And when you're in, you know, the depths of having a diagnosis for your child or for yourself, the last thing you want to do is call some government line and have to deal with waiting on hold with the horrible music, hope they transfer you to the right person so you don't have to call and get on hold again, when you, especially when you don't understand why you're doing it. So I think that's that's kind of my little thing that I learned with Hunter was learning what the program's for and why it's important to do it. And then when Carter came along, Carter was born with congenital cytomegalovirus, congenital CMV, which caused bilateral high frequency hearing loss. So he is aided. And if you all want information on TRICARE, let me know. We've been around. And so he has hearing, he has bilateral high frequency hearing loss, which means certain sounds at a higher pitch. He does not hear clearly unless they're amplified. He can hear without his aids, but it's very muffled. And EFMP actually helped me quite a bit in a way I didn't expect them to with that because we were having issues with TRICARE approving the hearing aids. And they were like, oh, he's you know he's a month old. And I said, yeah, but you're not a speech specialist. So how about we just go ahead and do that? And EFMP came to bat for us and they went and they were like, no, speech is critical in the first three months from what they're hearing and if he's not hearing it right. So I was really glad that we already had that connection with EFMP. And that was a resource I didn't know that they could do for you. And then our youngest son, Tucker, he was perfectly fine until he was about two, and then he'd start having random absence seizures. And we've done genetic screening. He sees a neurologist. We're getting almost cleared from that now. And it just got diagnosed as non-specified childhood epilepsy. But by that point, we were already eight, nine years into special needs and EFMP, and I knew immediately who to call and immediately what to do. So that's kind of the long and short of our experience with EFMP.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. And I just want to note here too, if you're a military spouse who's listening and you have another military spouse who has a child that is on the spectrum or has some type of disability where they receive services, go talk to them because they most likely have already dealt with whatever you're about to go through and are going to have pointers. Like I know I've talked to Jessica on several occasions about different things and the way that she's like talked to me about like how she's handled TRICARE, I'm like, anytime I have a TRICARE question now, I just call her. Cause I'm just like, they're so immersed in how things work that a lot of us who are not having to call TRICARE or who are not having to call the EFNP office or anything like that on a consistent basis may not know the right questions to ask or anything like that. Utilize your friends. I mean, don't, I mean, obviously like make sure they're comfortable with, offering your help. But I would say majority of those spouses are going to be like, yeah, absolutely. This is what I did. This is what worked for me. This is not what worked for me and take those and use those. I mean, they've already experienced that kind of
2: stuff. When I know I can speak on, for my behalf and for myself, when Hunter first got diagnosed, the best information, the best advocacy skills, like the most help I got was from one or two other people that had an autistic child that that knew things no doctor told me to do. They knew about programs that nobody had told us about. They knew how to utilize those programs and how to work around, you know, the red tape of TRICARE maybe not wanting to approve it, but like fun little fact we'll throw in here. Um, If TRICARE sends you a paper saying that they want your child's IEP, you are not legally required to give it to them. They will request it. They will make it seem like you do because what they would like to see is, is your child receiving a service in school that they are still receiving private? Mm -hmm. educational and medical are two separate things. And when your child receives a service in school, it is educational. Even if they receive that same service out of school, then it becomes medical. I learned that from a spouse. And before I knew that, I accidentally did what I thought I was supposed to do. And we lost all services for a year until it came time to renew that IEP. And I refused to send them the new one.
1: I almost did the same thing.
2: with Those are the things you learn from the people who have learned it the hard way, gone through it, done it. Most providers to mostly to no fault of their own. They just don't think to tell you all that nitty gritty stuff. You're not going to get the nitty gritty that makes your day-to-day work in special needs from your doctors. You're going to get it from your friends. You're going to get it from your community. You're going to get it from those resources.
1: Yeah. I also had a military spouse tell me that too, because I had... It was like casually talking about Devlin's services and was like, yeah, he finally got into the school service. So I think I'll pull him out. They're like, no, don't. And I'm so glad I did it because what he was learning in school were not what I thought he should be working on. And that was just because they have very different goals that they can work on at school. And what he needed to work on the most was what he was doing outside of services in in the private sector, and so I'm so glad a spouse told me that because if not, I would have removed him, and we would have been we would have had to go back on the wait list, and we had it already took almost five months to get him back into services when we PCS'd here because of the
2: wait list. Well, and a lot of what they teach them in schools is it goes hand in hand with what they're learning independently, and they're learning in the private sector. So with Hunter, he was learning more of the basic skills of speech, the fine motor part using. So with Praxia, you pretty much have a disconnect between your brain and your mouth. You hear it, you know how you want to say it, your mouth doesn't say it right. So we were learning skills to kind of overcome that in the private speech. But then at school, we were learning how to actually put that into play. Mm -hmm. So it's important if you're able to, to do both, to not pull one or the other, because they do feed off each other because like you said, they are so different, but they do commingle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They do like De- Devlin was working on like L blends and like those type of things. But then at work at the private sector, cause Devlin did a lot of, he would drop the first and last syllable of words. So you would only get, especially if he was talking in a sentence. So it was like slowing him down and adding each syllable like together at one time. And that's where he like really needed to focus on and yeah, listen to the spouses cause they'll save you a lot of headache. So we talked, we've learned about your guys's experience. Let's kind of talk about like some of your guys's top number, like suggestions on how to work the EFMP process. Like where should a family start? What, like, what are your top couple questions that you think people should be asking that they may not know of? I know it's really simple. Like, you, you know, we have said like, you know, it's a form. If you say any of these, you should to call type of thing. But like, it's, you know, a lot of people don't know like it's every family member. Like, you know, every family family member is supposed to be enrolled in it, whether you're receiving services or not. Which, you know, some families don't know that. They don't know that until they go to like OCONUS. Like I didn't know anything about EFMP until we had orders to Alaska. I didn't realize that we should have been enrolled. So then it was kind of difficult for us because I had a situational depression. You know, I lost three grandparents in a year, Jeremy deployed. We had to cancel our wedding. And I just just had like about, and then like, it was so hard to get that. Cause it was on my doctor's notes. It was so hard to be like, Oh, I'm fine. Like I can go to Alaska. Like I'm not going to be suicidal. I'm not going to be anything like that. And I wasn't suicidal or anything. I just took medication and went to therapy. And so knowing that making sure you get paperwork from the doctor that says, okay, we're good. You no longer need services, making sure you document those. Even if you don't enroll yourself right away into EFMP, so you're not backtracking type of thing. So what are some of your guys' top tips?
3: First, if you have a family member or a child who gets any services, like the first like easiest thing to do is fill out the screener. If you say, if you answer like yes on one of them, it's worth going to the EFMP office and saying like, Hey, I took the screener. I, you know, answered yes to one of them. Do I need to be enrolled? Because so like our daughter has sees a pediatric, um, ophthalmologist because she had, when she was really young, she had an eye that turned, um, but she doesn't need to be enrolled in EFMP because she doesn't receive services anymore. And at the time it wasn't necessary. EFMP said she doesn't need to be enrolled. And it you know, after a couple of years, we were at one duty station, we were done, we moved on. But most of the time, if you have services of any kind, you have to be enrolled in EFMP. So going and talking to them is like the most helpful. And asking, Echo is a huge benefit that a lot of people don't know about. But there's a lot of rules on if you're eligible for Echo. So for like my son, we aren't eligible. He's not eligible for Echo, which is okay because he doesn't need any of the pieces from it. But because of my volunteer position with EFM, we meet families who are, they qualify for Echo and they have no idea about it and they should have known about it years ago. And so they- explain
0: a little bit more like what Echo is? Yeah, I say, I've never- I have no
3: idea what that is either. So I'm learning something-
2: Echo was a lifesaver for us.
3: So ECHO is, it is designed to be the military's version of state Medicaid because military, we can, some families can qualify for Medicaid through the state that they're stationed in through a medical waiver. However, the medical waiver wait time can be years long. So for some states, we're talking like 10 years that it's for them to get a slot. But for military, that's not possible to wait 10 years unless you're only at that duty station. So ECHO was designed to take over what they would get from Medicaid. However, because it is a military designed program, there are flaws with it. Same as EFMP. Also, EFMP is Congress mandated. It is not an optional program to be enrolled in. So if you qualify, you have to be enrolled in it because, and I've, I've never seen it happen, but the soldier, the service member can get in trouble for not It is possible. I've seen it.
1: Yeah. I've also known someone who did not enroll and then come to find out that they PCS someplace and it was not good for the soldier.
2: So yeah. the situation where we saw it was they got overseas orders. They said there was no issue. They said they had no medical. They didn't want to enroll in it. they had heard bad rumors about it before. So they didn't want it to like stop their career because it's what everybody thinks is you enroll in EFMP and it, it deadlines your career. And they went overseas and services weren't met. Services couldn't be met. Situations couldn't be handled there ended up being a huge issue within the family and the soldier ended up getting kicked out and he got in a lot of trouble and had to pay back a lot of money because they PCSed under false pretenses. So they knew that this was not a move that they should have made. And because they were not enrolled and they were supposed to be, they like they owed tens of thousands of dollars by the time it was all said and done. So it's not a situation you want to be in. You can
1: get the medical need you need. Like if you have a blood disorder, or if you have, I mean, there's so many different things that could be life-threatening that if you go to a small, I mean, if you go to Fairbanks, Alaska, you may not be able to get any of the services that you need. You may not be able to get the medication. You may not be able to get anything that you need that could potentially save your life. So like no question, you have to though. make sure that you
0: if you are at those bases stationed already and have a kid where something like this comes up and it becomes an issue, how does the military handle that then if you they don't have the services where you're already at?
3: You'll enroll in EFMP and then they will move you to mm-hmm. a duty station that yeah. has the services. And that's why yeah. it's important Fascinate to take reassignment. Keep. Also, it's like worth noting people will get unaccompanied orders to a, this place. Some families will move. If you do that. And you're like, I can't get services, especially for overseas ones there. The military is not required to move you back because you did that on your own. But you want to get just... covered in
1: TRICARE, right? If you move to a location that you are not supposed to be in, you're not, can you get covered by TRICARE?
2: they so or... it's based off your sponsor's orders. Mm, so it's okay. one of those like dicey blurred lines where technically yeah. you shouldn't be because there should be accompaniment orders for an overseas location. Sometimes people fall through the cracks and they're able to still get it. But like currently was saying at the end of the day, if you get somewhere and you knew that like it was unaccompanied and you chose to go anyways, you know, you'll see spouses move to Korea and they're like, oh, I'm still going to go. Korea is the biggest one I've seen. Uh Um, And they get there and they're not getting services or all of a sudden they need to see the specialist that they forgot and they didn't clear it beforehand. Not only is it on you financially to make sure that that happens, but if you need to come back, they're not going to pay to fly you back. They're mm-hmm. not going to pay for any of that. It's all on you financially. And if it starts to rock the boat in your service member's career, that's when that stuff starts to pop up. And that's that dicey game that you play.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot with Alaska. Alaska is a, a spot where I see where, because especially anything with behavioral health, they, they really do avoid sending anyone that has severe behavioral health um, issues up there. And so I've, I've seen a lot of spouses who were not accompanied to move up there type of thing
2: um like i mean to to alaska before we came back here the second time to fort bragg and i just laughed in efmp like that's my favorite saying is when they try to send us somewhere i just laugh in efmp because between the 11 specialists that we don't even see all the time like i know we have a lot of doctors and i know we have a lot of special needs but when you get it managed it's not so overwhelming There are certain doctors that we see once a month, mostly behavioral health. There are certain doctors we see once a quarter. Um, We're down to neurology like once every six months to a year. So I know it sounds like a lot, but I promise it's really not once you get it managed. But it doesn't matter. You have to have those services met. And that's why EFMP is so important. So and, and back to what she said about ECHO, ECHO stands for extended care health options. And it's an extra enrollment that you do. It's very easy. If you go through your EFMP, you can get a case manager through EFMP that can help walk you through all that. Back when Hunter first got diagnosed with autism, we did ABA, we did Applied Behavioral Analyst Therapies, and it was in-home therapy. Tricare did not cover that. Back then, ECHO covered that. So based off your rank, you would enroll in ECHO. Everybody could enroll in ECHO, but what you got was dependent on what you qualified for with your diagnoses. So with Hunter, we qualified for pull-ups because it was really hard to potty train him for a really long time. He didn't potty train until he was four. They would deliver a pallet of pull-ups to my house. We have sensory processing issues when it comes to food. He has a hard time eating it. He'll try, but his body will physically reject textures. They would deliver pallets, plural. One time we had four pallets of PediaSure. And the way the echo, I don't know if it still works that way. You would have more updated information on that one currently. But back then it was based off your rank. You paid a one month copay and it covered all services you received. So when my husband was in E5, we paid $25 a month and that covered his day-to-day ABA. It covered his pull-ups. It covered his PediaShare. When we needed a weighted blanket or a compression vest, it covered all of those items. Weighted silverware to help with fine motor skills. I mean, it literally blew my mind. I had no idea that that was even an option. And I found out again from another spouse. I didn't find out from providers. I found out from a spouse back then. So I think ECHO is a great program. I know they've changed it a lot. There's a lot, especially within autism. Um, but Echo is a really great option that most families don't real about, realize and know about if they haven't been told or they hear it again, like AFMP, but they don't know what it is.
1: Ever heard of Echo? And I have been a advisor, an SFRG advisor for almost Jeremy's entire career for almost almost he's been in for 15 years and I would say about 12 of those years. I've been involved. I've worked with other organizations and I've never heard of Echo. And that's amazing because that's a great resource, especially for your families that need that stuff because that stuff is expensive. Like if you wrote down like the cost of all that stuff, especially for a young military family that already is struggling paycheck to paycheck, that's an amazing resource because a lot of times like, you know, a lot of military spouses will just go get a job so that they can have insurance through their work to help offset some of those costs but some of those things aren't even covered through them as well so that's a really cool program i'm i learned something new today
2: i know i i know it was very beneficial for us because i owned my own practice at the time and i was making two to three times what my husband did as an e5 deployed and because of the nature of the military when hunter got diagnosed if someone had to stay home he wasn't an option So I had to quit and stay home. So we went essentially from three or four incomes down to one. And that was very drastic, but we really didn't have a choice. Someone had to take them to these appointments. Someone had to, and and when you're going in for specialty appointments, you don't, you don't not take the first one they give you and risk being on a wait list. You, you take that first one. So very early on, it made more sense for us, for me to stay home and finding out about Echo, they send you a thing like your little, your little billing. This is not a bill. It's an explanation of benefits. So, I have it somewhere. I tried to find it, Ash, before I joined on. Our first month with Hunter with Echo, we paid $25 for our, our copay deductible and we got over $36,000 in things. It, That's like, amazing. It blew my mind. It was yeah. insane. And it's rank specific, which is nice because at, I, I don't know if it's the same or not, but back then and up until a couple of years ago, each rank that you go up, it only adds $5 to your copay. It's, so not it's still manageable. economically increased. It's just an extra $5 a month with each rank increase. So I think that's really nice too.
1: Yeah. And that's manageable because it doesn't get too high up there. That's awesome. I'm so excited to hear about this because I even though like, like, you know, we've only ever dealt with speech services, but you know, there was a time where like, I thought Claire, um, you know, we had to go test Claire's heart and stuff. Um, you know, she had a hole when she was in utero and we had to do some testing because we started hearing murmurs and stuff like that. So like, there was always the potential of like there being more. So it's nice to know that there are programs that are out there to help military families. Cause yes, we have insurance, but you have to jump through a lot of hoots with our insurance. Like if you're a non-military person, yes, we have insurance. It's not top-notch insurance. It's not top, like everything's covered. You know, there are things that are not covered. There are things that if you want the spe- the best care, sometimes you're going to pay out of pocket because they're not in network. And so there's a lot of hoops that we uh, military families do have to jump through. So it's nice to hear that there is another program out there that do help with some of those costs. Curly, did you have anything you wanted to add um,
3: about the ECHO program on top of what Jess said? No, I, she said everything. Um, It's changed a little bit, like in the last few years, but it's still this, like pretty much the exact same. And it covers too, like my son uses a communication device. So he uses an iPad and he can press pictures and it says a word for him. Some people get that covered through Echo. We got ours through Tricare because Tricare will cover it, but it covers stuff like really random things. But you know, most of the time it's like PD Assure, formula, pull-ups diapers like anything that is like medically necessary so when I say formula I mean like the specialty formula that you can't buy at the grocery store so I have I have a very dear friend who has triplets and they were born at 26 weeks and they are on a very specialty formula so imagine feeding three triplets on forming formula that is insane but echo covers their formula for their girls and he just graduated basic. And so they are like very junior enlisted. And so for them, that would not be feasible outside of having Tricare and echo.
0: So just to clarify the echo to get on echo, you have to be on EFMP first, or is
3: it depending on your branch of military because national guard, national guard cannot be on EFMP, unless they meet the requirements for EFMP, but they can be on ECHO.
2: For active duty Army, um, you do have to be, and that's the only one I can speak on, is you do have to be enrolled in EFMP. And then you, a lot of people don't realize too, for EFMP, you can request a case manager. You're supposed to be given a case manager. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. I recommend everybody, I don't care what you sign up on EFMP for, if you sign up because you have seasonal asthmatic bronchitis, I'm raising my hand. I get that randomness only in North Carolina do I get that. Request a case manager. They can help you with all of these other little things that maybe someone else, that maybe you don't have resources and other people that you can talk to about it. Maybe you don't have other parents that you can talk to about what's going on. Maybe you just moved and you got a new diagnosis and you don't know anybody. That's when you use those case managers. Those EFMP case managers are absolutely there for those ins and outs.
1: See, I didn't even know you could request a case manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's
2: you can request a case manager. Information. You can request a case manager for anything medical at any clinic you go to, you can request a case manager. It doesn't matter if it's something simple or not. You may have to fight a little bit harder to get it if you're at a small clinic and it's not a super huge issue. You can always request a case manager when it comes to EFMP, medical, echo you should be given one with Echo. It shouldn't be an option. At least it didn't used to be. You automatically got assigned somebody. But yeah, you can always request a case manager for someone that works in that program, in that facility that specializes with giving you those ins and outs and those nitty gritty things, especially if you don't have that village yet.
1: Yeah. So what's really important too, because I know like the last time I enrolled in EFMP was probably when we went from I don't even remember if we did this from Alaska to Texas. No, we had to because Devon was in speech services, I guess. When I initially rolled, I didn't really necessarily go onto Facebook and ask those questions. Like nowadays you see a lot of people asking, like, how what questions should I ask or what should I do? That like that's a great resource. We always we always say that. You know, ask your fellow military spouses, but take everything with a grain of salt, do your own research, but definitely reach out to people that you personally know that have gone through this experiences. Like that's where you're going to get that best information. So we talked a little bit about your experience with EFMP. We learned about ECHO, which is great. With school starting, because another thing that comes along with this realm of having kids who receive services, they're most likely going to be receiving services in, in school. We kind of touched a little bit about that a little bit ago. And that can, in itself, can be really difficult, too, especially depending on the school you go to, whether you're on post, if you're on po- off post, you know, Title I school, things like that. Like, all of that plays in, into getting your child enrolled into EIP I would love, especially because we're about to start school, most, most places are about to start school in the next two weeks, next three, four weeks, depending on their school cycle. What are some tips that you have for families that have kids who who have not been enrolled yet and need to be enrolled or making
3: sure that they get the services that they need in school? The best thing we did was hire an advocate to come attend our IEPs with us. Our advocate is my son's tutor. She, is a, she was a teacher um, for several years. And that for us was like the biggest game changer. So he started kindergarten two years ago and we were stationed at Bragg and we moved over the summer between his kindergarten and first grade year. And because he was virtual his kindergarten year, his IEP was like sketchy at best. And I didn't know anything about like what to include in his IEP. He had a medical diagnosis. They looked at it. They were like, oh, he's going to get These like speech services, because he didn't qualify for anything else. Like that was the extent of his IEP. So he, we moved here to Benning and we did the like re He, they like checked him out. We did all the paperwork. We had a new IEP meeting and they were like, well, we need to add like these few things. So the end of last school year, he's repeating first grade this year. And we knew that going in. He is very, very young for his grade and age. His birthday was this week and we start school in two weeks. So he just barely turned seven. And I was like, he is not going to second grade. Like I will like absolutely refuse. And thankfully his teachers and therapists and everybody kind of went to bat against the school district and said, like, we all agree he could benefit because a lot of school districts don't like to retain They don't like to retain students at all. They definitely don't like to retain kiddos on IEPs.
2: There's actually legal reasons for that. I'll touch on it if you want me to.
3: So we had gotten a tutor because he wasn't reading it, but she was still really young. So I wasn't worried about it, but we got a tutor and she was like, do you want me to attend his IEP meeting with you? I said, sure. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're going to do, but go for it. And she went in there and she's like, these are all the things she came with like 30 things. I was like, he has like four accommodations right now. What is changing between the four and the 30 that you want? And we got them all. And now I know. And it was like everything. It was giving him 30 minutes, like every 30 minutes, he gets a break. And they're like, well, we do that in class anyways. And she's like, no, it has to be written in his IEP. Because if we are, if we were to move over the summer and he goes to a new school, it doesn't matter that his previous school gave breaks after 30 minutes if his new school doesn't do that and it's not written in his IEP, they don't have to do those accommodations. So it's important to get every single detail in their IEPs. And
0: where's the best place to find an advocate like that? Is that are, like are you looking for organizations specific to
3: their disorders or the advocate we found, we've got lucky because it was his tutor. But I'm in like other Facebook groups and the best place that I've always seen people ask is Facebook or asking you're like friends who have kids who have IEPs,
2: they tend I'm to know resources. a licensed IEP advocate. I get yeah. hired to go into IEPs and advocate. I do a lot. Like what you were saying, your son's tutor does. I've gone into meetings with middle schools for IEPs and they're giving this parent, you know, Oh, well, they're in middle school. And I'm like, Nope. And I, I like to coach my parents and and teach you guys and, and show you guys like, this is why this is what you want. You have, like, if you know the laws and you know, the regulations, there there's nowhere to fight on that. So like the retention thing due to IDEA, which is the Independent um, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, there's a fine line between retention now and the no child left behind. So what that essentially caused was unless the child was already receiving services, there's no reason you have to fight like heck to get them to be able to retain a grade unless they're gonna be gaining services with their retention. So when you have especially a special child that's already retaining services, it's very hard to do, but it is doable. We just did it with my oldest. He's doing fifth grade one more time and he has an ironclad IEP. But those are like the legal reasons why it's kind of hard and why a lot of people don't like to do it. As far as finding an advocate, you can Google us. So you can Google find an IEP advocate near me. And if they're licensed and they're trained and they're certified and they're legitimate, then I pay to have my name put out there. So I pay to have my name available whenever people look up these things through different websites. You can find someone that maybe doesn't do all that. And that doesn't mean that they're not not—they're not great. They could still be great. But that, if you don't know people nearby you or you're not in a Facebook group, or if you do put it in the Facebook group and nobody is like, what do you mean we can hire an advocate? That's where I would go next. So I, I do it a lot for families with the middle school one. They finally got sick of my nonsense because I don't back down. And I he was doesn't. like, I don't. I don't. I am a pit bull man, like to a fault sometimes, but I am passionate and I care so much because I know what a difference these things can make. Most importantly for the children, but also I want to make sure that we remember how important it is for the parents. There is such a high divorce rate amongst special needs families. There is especially military families. And there's also a correlation with high numbers of special needs families in the military and it's because of the insurance it's because of the programs that are available that you cannot easily find in other places and you know ashley you talked about how we have insurance for the people that are you know civilian and don't really understand our insurance and it's not always the greatest the way i like to present it is tricare and i have a live-hate relationship um and when carter needed his hearing aids he needed molds the inside of the ear they have to get redone every three months they're growing And they kept trying to deny it. So i set a timer on my phone and I called them at nine noon and three every day for two weeks. I called that claims department and I was not mean. I don't want that to come off. Like I'm, you know, you don't go in aggressive. I just call, hey, this is so-and-so. I'm just checking on the status of this claim. You know, if you get back to me, that's actually how I met my buddy Raymond over at Claims with Humana. I send him gift cards for the holidays. There's a lot of ways to do it, but we have a very usable insurance if you're willing and able to put a ton of work into it. Does that mean that you should have to? No, you shouldn't have to put that much work into it. And not everybody's able to. But if you are able to and you're willing to, it opens up a lot of doors to get many other things covered that you would not find in many other civilian sectors, if that makes sense. There is an educational EFMP and there is a medical EFMP. And nobody told me this until they I had a parent who'd been doing it for a minute. Okay, so what's yeah. the difference? So and so the whole point of the program with EFMP is to make sure that you're getting services provided for your family members as a service member that are needed, medical, mental health, all these different avenues. The educational one is to make sure that when you have school-age children, you are not being sent somewhere that does not have the educational capabilities. And if you do get sent somewhere that does not have the educational capabilities, you then get school of choice. You are then able to prove, I have this document, school cannot meet my needs. You can pursue the school to then pay for your child to be transferred to a different school once you've given them the opportunity to provide the needs and they say that they can't, then it is financially on them. Or you can appeal to the state if you're not living on base saying, we have an educational EFMP, needs aren't being met, I want school of choice.
1: Interesting. So is it kind of the same type of process? I think it's a A lot easier.
2: Honestly, I think the educational EFMP is... Worlds easier than the medical EFMP. You go to your child's school, you go to their IEP board, you go to their special needs department, whoever is in charge of those things to the school, their coordinator, usually it's a vice principal is who's in charge of their special needs coordination. And you tell them, Hey, I need an educational EFMP. If they don't know what it is, Google it. You can find the form, just Google military educational EFMP. It is a very short, sweet, simple form. You fill out the basics about your child, about your sponsor or your sponsor fills it out. My husband's handwriting is eligible. I fill everything out. And then you have the school go through and they check what services they receive at school and what diagnoses that the school has from your medical records. And just that way it all lines up together. And then you mail it in or you email it in or you fax it in or you do whatever it is. And all the information when you Google that form is all there with it. If you are on base, if you are in a DoDEA school, I should say, because kids that go to school on base at um, Fort Hood do not go to DoDEA schools. They go to county schools, even though they're on base.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So if you are in a DoDEA district, the teachers will do that for you. When you go in for your IEP meeting, you should be refilling out every year when you go in for your annual review, you should be refilling out that EFMP educational form. Interesting.
3: The form number is, uh, it's DA form 2792. And the educational one is 2792-1. And they usually, you can print them off. They all come together. So, and
1: I guess it's important to note that like that educational one, like they have to be receiving services within the school to like be accepted. So like they have to be receiving like a speech services or something like that. Like it can't just be like, I just don't want my school to go to, I just don't want my kid to go to this school that I'm zoned ha- for. You I want need to an to IEP. Yeah. Yes.
2: The IEP or a 504. Yeah. If you have a 504, that's a whole different podcast. (laughs) It's very similar as far as what it grants you for accessibility and right.
1: That's awesome. I kind of wish I knew about the educational one because I don't feel like the speech services that we got at the last school we were at were to par. Like, I don't think they just had the person that did. I think it was just busy work, in my opinion. It's interesting. I didn't know that either.
2: If you're, if you're unhappy with services, your child's receiving at the school, you can call an IEP meeting at any time. Yeah. Anytime. And they have 14 business days to accommodate that meeting, not just acknowledge it, but to actually accommodate that meeting unless you waive it.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, unfortunately I knew that and I, um, I just didn't do that. It was a personal choice because it was in the middle of COVID and it was, a lot of like, they're doing zoom links and stuff. So I just was like, he's already he's still going to services outside of school. So I was just like, we'll just we'll revisit it when we go back to school in person. And then we moved. So we didn't have that issue anymore. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Sorry. You were talking about the podcast, but I just, I wanted to throw in the educational AFMP. No,
1: I'm so glad you did because I didn't know that. And that's, that's great to know because, you know, there are a lot of schools around surrounding bases. Like, you know, majority of the counties that surround military installations are not the best counties. They're usually a poor county and they don't always have the services that you need. So that is really interesting to know that that is also something that you can enroll in and have another little tick to help you better the life of your yourself and your kids. To finish off the podcast today, I wanted, because you guys have such an experience, well-rounded experience in the realm of being a military spouse, having a child who is either on the spectrum or have a disability. What is one piece of advice that you can give to another military family that is going through something similar as you? Like what gets you guys through the day type of thing?
2: So I personally... When we first got the diagnoses, it was really hard and it's really stressful and outside of being a military spouse, but then adding on top of it, like there is a, there's a mourning period and people might hate on me for this, but that's just the most honest word I can think of is letting go of these expectations. There's a poem and I want to say it's called Welcome to Holland. And if you've never read it. You're going to ugly cry when you read it. It's amazing. And it, it touches on, you get on a plane and it's essentially parenthood and you're expecting to have all of these certain things. You're expecting baby's first time, first word, first talk, first walk, all of this stuff. But then when you get off this plane, you're in a different country and no one prepared you for this other country. And yes, there's a lot of stressful things that come with it. But if you can look at the positive that you see in your own, and if you can dump off societal expectations, which is hard on us as adults to do for ourselves. But I think it's really helped me personally doing it for my kids. There are so many awesome, beautiful things in their own right, having children with their own different needs. And it's very stressful and it's very hard and giving yourself grace and understanding that just because it's not happening right now, or just because you've got mad, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. doesn't mean you're a bad parent giving yourself that grace is also teaching your child, especially the ones with special needs to give themselves grace while they're learning to be themselves, the way that they need to learn to be themselves. They're going to do these things. They just may do them differently. They may learn them differently. And as soon as you allow yourself some grace to see that for yourself as a parent, not only are you showing that to your child, but you're both going to get that confidence to make it actually happen. So that might've been really cheesy, but like, that's The biggest thing I've come to for me with all my kids is all of that. Just giving myself grace and showing them it's okay. Mom's learning just like you're learning, but we're going to get there and we're going to make it happen. And even if it's different, it's still going to happen. Everything that Jessica
3: said, but also one of the best things that I did was get a therapist because I had like this expectation of what my son would do. And when he's three years old and not talking like that, like blew my mind. And I was like, I'm failing as a mother, like this is on me. And a lot of people, if you don't have special needs kids, if you don't have like friends, because that is a community in itself. And if you're not part of that community, your friends who have neurotypical kids, like they can't understand what that looks like when your kids are very different from what society says they should look like. And so having And I would try to talk to my husband about it. And my husband is like a very, like, he'll figure it out. Like, we'll do what we need to, to like get in there. But like, he didn't have the guilt that I had as a mom. And so he just couldn't relate. So having like a third party person who was like, okay, why do you feel this way? Like, let's talk about it. And then like, how do we change your mindset of you're not failing as a mom? Like, this is who he is, but like, how do you help him? Like, what are the next steps? And then celebrating every single one of those steps. And now like he's seven and he is talking and that's like, that was like the first time he said, mom, I cried. The first time he said, I love you. I was like hysterically ugly crying for like the whole day because that was a huge thing for him. But nobody outside of that understands though. It's, it's very different. It's a very different world to live in. Yeah. And like Jess
1: said, like, you know, on top of the stressors that a military spouse already endures throughout the year, adding those on top of it. Um, I think we've said this several times on a lot of our episodes. Like we, we highly encourage people to go, go get a therapist, go get a counselor, talk to someone. Don't, don't be in your fields by yourself because they're just going to fester and it doesn't help you and it doesn't help your soldier. So, I'm an advocate for, for behavioral health. Um, I wish that the services were a little bit widely, more available to families at installations. They're there. If you look for them, um, like here at Fort Bragg, I have my favorite place. So if you're at Fort Bragg, shoot us a message. I will tell you where my favorite place to go to is talk to someone. Like there's no, no one's going to fault you for going to talk to a therapist. No one's going to say negative things. Like they're going to be like, dang, like either a, I wish I was brave enough to do that. Or B, they're going to want the information on where you're going. So it's just a matter of taking those steps to better yourself. Because, you know, if you take care of yourself, you're going to be able to take better care of your kids, of your soldier, of your family.
2: No, and I completely agree with the therapy part. And I also... Curly, you remind me of something. And I think you'll laugh. I think you'll totally understand this. Okay, so you said your son like is talking now. So Hunter talked, but he was considered nonverbal. Nonverbal doesn't mean they don't talk. It means they don't hit X amount of words per their age. Okay, I'm so over societal expectations. It's not even funny. So Hunter was four and a half and he'd finally gone poop on the potty. And we told him, if you go poop on the potty, we'll take you to Colts and you can get blue ice cream. It was bedtime. We put that baby in his pajamas in the truck. We went and got ice cream. Somebody almost hit us. My husband never says bad words around our kids. He was like, oh my gosh, that dude was a D, right? Nothing. Hunter wasn't verbal. So we're almost home two minutes later. And he goes, daddy. My husband goes, yeah, but he goes, that dude was a D. And he said it. I cried happy tears with my four-year-old having just called some dude a D because it was clear. He used all of his sounds. It was a full sentence. And I was so excited. Not every- I know
1: him and I think that's hilarious.
2: Not everybody would understand that though. Like
1: no. the fact that I was
2: excited that my four year old technically just said a curse word.
1: Devlin was very similar too because Devlin didn't really talk until like he wasn't like he didn't use full sentences until he was almost four. I mean, we were working on trying to see if he had a diagnosis and we just kept getting like he's just he's just a boy. He's super busy. He's just he's just a boy. And that was one of his first sentences was I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like,
2: Yeah, (laughs) because Carter with his hearing loss, his first full sentence was two and a half threw a snow boot in the front of our truck. And I told my husband, if he takes off his fucking boots one more time, i will lose my mind. And I whispered it. And this little two-year-old in the back seat ripped off his boot and Viking screamed as he hurled it into the front of the truck. I took off my fucking boots. And I was like, that was a really big word with a lot of high syllable noises. Look at him go. <laughs> like, when you Those small with- wins, we take yes. them, don't we, moms? It sounds horrible. And I'm probably a horrible parent for it. But if I am joined my club, I got AC. So like- But no, I totally get that. And I think therapy is so important. And the biggest thing as a therapist that I tell, because I work with families with special needs, but it's fun. You can't do it to yourself. It doesn't work that way.
1: No. Um,
2: Is you're allowed to have a pity picnic. You're absolutely allowed to. And the reason I'm a verbal, I'm a visual speaker, is what I feel like I do. You can ask Ashley. Yeah. You're allowed to have a pity picnic. You're allowed to sit down. You're allowed to unpack your basket. You look at an item and you take care of that one item. You eat that one item. You figure out what it is with it. You sit in it, you do whatever. But then you have to pack it up and put it away for another time because always you get ants and ants are the parts mentally that fester and they start to get where the depression now hits the caretaker and the parent and the other familial support. So I always say, Hey man, you're allowed to have a pity picnic. You just can't like live in it. Unpack it, do what you got to do for a minute. We're going to pack it up. We'll get back to it later. You don't want to ask. So, that's like the best visual representation of how to take care of yourself mentally in any situation. But I was going to say,
1: that's really good for any situation you're dealing with, whether you have kids, if you're listening, you don't have kids, or you're newly pregnant and you're going to potentially have to do all this later. Like, that's like the perfect way to picture handling any situation, especially military life. Like, there's a lot of things that we deal with that most people don't understand.
2: I had and- people that didn't believe I was married for three and a half years because they did not meet my husband from when he was gone. He was deployed. He was on like 12 year de- or 12 month, 12 year, who felt like it, 12 months deployment. And then came home. He was on leave. We were gone, came back, was gone for a month, came home, was gone for, you know, two weeks here, there, all this stuff. They would joke and be like, why do you have pictures of you and a friend on the fridge? And I was like, no, like, that's actually my husband. Like, I don't work and I don't have a sugar daddy. So I don't know where you think this comes from, but I am actually married.
1: Jeremy um for the first like seven years while Jeremy was in service, people thought he just wore rings, ring, so people would just leave him the leave him alone. They did not believe I existed, which was hilarious because like I didn't really start getting involved until his second
2: deployment. And so I was like, Yeah, no, I I'm I'm actually a real person. Created my master's and people were like, you know, he didn't get to go to my graduation. And people were like, Hey, you know, I thought you were married. And I was like, I, I am. And they're like, where is he? I was like, I actually can't tell you. Yeah. Um, because, you know, this was back before social media was a big thing. They weren't allowed to have cell phones They waited in line for, I'm really old guys, don't touch.
1: No, I'm, we, we've had this conversation on the podcast too, where like, it's not the same nowadays as it was like even 10 years ago.
2: But like, I even feel like there's so pros and cons to both sides of them, honestly. Mm-hmm. But anyways,
1: yeah, um, no, I agree. So yeah, but
2: there were people that totally didn't even realize that my husband existed or they would tease me and joke about it. And they're like, you earned a whole college degree without people even realizing and meeting your husband. And I was like, yeah, welcome to my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: Well, today's been really educational. I learned about two new things that I did not even know were available to military families Echo and the educational uh, EFMP. That was super cool to learn about. The information's out there if you're listening. Um, research, look for an advisor. Um, that was another thing. Like, I didn't even realize they could really assign like, get assigned an advocate. So, do it. <laughs> and then it just won't only help you.
0: Um, as usual, like I just mentioned, it'll all be in the show notes. We will definitely talk to Jessica and Curtley and get them any resources they have that they know um, included in the show notes. And then, of course you guys can ask them personally. We'll make sure their contact information is available as well. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I know I was quiet because I've been very blessed that my children have not had any issues, and I homeschool, so I don't really deal with the IEP. I deal with it my own my own. If you guys have anything else that you guys want to bring up on the show, make sure you guys message us or send us an email. Um, we're always looking for great topics and things that people need a little bit more help with things, obviously like EFMP that we, we sign up for it. We don't know what it means. We don't know why we do it unless you actually have to have it for your children. Um, so it's great, great knowledge. So thank you guys for coming on the show. So we are hoping that you guys will join us for our live episode coming up again at the end of the month. I think it'll probably be on the 29th or the 30th. We will put out some information about that. And then. Make sure you're following us on social media. Deployed Love is having their big birthday. So we've been doing really, really fun conversation starters every day on our social media pages. And we have a couple of our local branches are hosting birthday parties also coming up this month. So make sure you're keeping an eye out for that. Otherwise, if you guys have any other questions, feel free to reach out to us at the show and we will help get you the information that you guys are needing. So as always, rock up, buttercup. Bye.